Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Randoish Podcast. It's the Randoish Podcast. I am your host, Doug, and, and today I am the only host. We have a guest with us today. His name is Nick, and oh. as you all know, oh, hello, hello, Nick. How are you? Today, Thank you sir? for having me on this lovely podcast. And just like a tattoo, Nick, I will always have you. We welcome you back to the most you, random do you place. Do you greet all your guests like this? Um, no, just the special ones. Oh, it's, um, it's interesting, strange. And uh, they welcome back to the most random place on earth on Second Start of the Right Studios. Um, we're the Randoish Podcast. Um, today are, are we are we're we doing it a little? Are different. we the Second Start of the Right Studios podcast at the Randoish Studios? No, it's oh. the Second Start of the Right Studios at the Randoish Podcast. All right. Um, so today. We're having a little fun. We're going to do it a little differently today. Usually Nick and me, you know, tit for tat, um, hit off of each other back and no. forth uh, today. Very respectful. Well, and- it is most of the time <laughs> when you step out of line, unless you step out of line. Um, but today we're doing a little bit of a special episode. This has been an episode. This is something very much we've discussed in great detail. It was a passion of Nick's. Um, but we wanted. I wanted to get into a little bit more of the depth of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, D&D. good old D&D. Um, so I put together a list of questions. Um, obviously, I may have a couple more pop up as we continue down this path. But I did think this was an episode. This was long overdue. Oh, um, is it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for someone that feels as much passion, I mean, think of all the things I'm passionate about. We've talked about them in about five different ways by this point, most of them, <laughs> uh, whether it be football or sports or just, or, you WWE know, food or, well, I mentioned that one Your time. Your massive we've love ne- for chicken wings. We've never done wings. a WWE episode. That would be fun. <laughs> uh, a wrestling episode in general, because I like more than just WWE. Uh, but yeah, that would be fun. The chicken sandwich episode, of course. Uh, we did just have a, uh, you know, a... Um, We've had restaurants, different things like that over the course of the period of time. Had, so, um, yeah, birthdays. Um, we've had, yeah, uh, you know, favorite movies, video yeah. games. Uh, video check game. out our five part series <laughs> yeah, on right. the video games throughout the decades that's if you right. haven't. Yep, all the best video, video games throughout the decades, uh, starting from the 80s all the way through up to today. Uh, but today is D&D Day, Nick. Um, I'm excited about this. For those of you who know, don't know, the uninitiated, uh, Dungeons and Dragons is in long standing. When was it founded? Was 1960? Uh, I would say it was. Uh, you know, I don't have the date specifically in front of me, mm-hmm. but it was the early 70s. I want to say. Okay. Okay. I thought it was 67 or something. Now its reason. roots date back to a little bit earlier than uh, that. Okay. Not by much, though. Right. Okay. Um, but obviously, it's the the preeminent, the original. Uh, RPG, would you agree? As I like to say, it's some of the most fun you can have with your with your brain. Okay. Um, so yeah, so Nick is uh, much about as much of an expert as there probably can be uh, in <laughs> this in this true. line of. Well, I mean, I, I think your expertise maybe in is, your um, in the local sphere. You know? Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. Even if you had the preeminent, we've talked about this guy before. Whoever the hell his name is, the preeminent <laughs> dungeon master. In the world, right? There's a number of them. Right, okay. Well, let's excellent. just say the top of the top. What do you think they know about Dungeons and Dragons that you do not? Probably a bunch. So you're just going to guess they know more than you? Why? I am an avid fan and player. Okay. You know? Right. But I, I, I think it makes you a subject matter expert, no? Sure. Would you, would I, you of, not agree? Of sorts. Okay. Of sorts. Well, I. I uh, certainly wouldn't be able. I'm treating like, you as such. I am essentially like the Lord of the Rings fan who mm-hmm. has seen, who has read the books and the movies, but mm-hmm. I would not be able to quote you the various different characters of the Silmarillion or like the various different intricacies of the um, the Valar. 
you know, or anything like that. So, like, I am a relative expert, right? But I am not the preeminent expert. We'll I say. I think the only thing I think that I would be like that about is probably Batman. And I think that's it. Yeah. I think I I really know Batman stuff. Okay. Um, but outside of so, that, I don't know so much else. In in relative terms, you would be like our comic book expert. Well, see, I would say no, because I don't feel like, I feel like there's a lot of, and my brother, Matt, is probably more of a comic book expert. Now, I feel like I would put on my knowledge of Batman with anyone's, um, in the mythos of Batman, um, but comic books, the history of comic books, a lot of that across Marvel, DC, uh, my brother, Matt, would certainly be somebody that would be more well-versed in his understanding of all different comic books than I would be. Okay. Yeah. Um, But Batman expert that I would take. Um, there's some other expertise that I have, but yeah, bad Batman is, is probably one of the ones that I know the most. Well, regardless of, uh, how experted I am, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. let's talk about some D and D. All right. So Nick, I put together a list of questions as I've mentioned. Ooh. So my Can't first wait to hear some of your questions. My first about... one is, um, pretty simple one. It okay. just asks you to think back in the way back machine. What is the longest campaign you've ever had? Longest campaign I've ever had. You know, before that, could you preface it with, what is a campaign? So, a campaign is, uh, the best way I could describe it, it would be similar to a recurring TV show. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, i Game of Thrones. Sure, yeah, okay. Game of Thrones, where the same cast of characters gets together every week, mm-hmm. uh, typically every week, every two weeks, every month, or whatever, right? Um, to tell a relatively... Uh, concurrent concurrent mm-hmm. story, right? You know, based off of those characters, players, whatever. Now, not all campaigns fall into this category. There are some campaigns where it's a variety show. There are some campaigns where it's a movie. There are some campaign, and this is all uh, in relation to how the story develops, right? Right. Typically, campaigns I run run off of the you know serial television model. You okay. know. Uh, where you're telling a single story throughout a long period. Right. Similar to uh, like an anime or something right. like that. Okay. So uh, typically, <laughs> I tend to like running long campaigns. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and usually. Like, you say long, like two weeks? No. Like months? Uh, the shortest campaign that I've had that uh, has like been fulfilled mm-hmm. lasted over the course of th- three or four months that was and the that, shortest yeah okay. well yeah the shortest one that we like completed to fulfillment now of course there are like one-offs or mm-hmm. one shots where or you know like one week two week kind of short games okay. <clears throat> but as far as like a full campaign right about three or four months okay what was the longest one the longest estimation I asked this, well, comparatively so, while you're thinking of that. Um, I looked up, there's actually, the world's records were the longest campaign, I think it was like 38 years. Yes. Yes. That's it's a it's very long yeah. standing <laughs> yeah, it's game. crazy, yeah. Uh, I've heard about that record. Yeah. Uh, and to preface this, like, the game Dungeons & Dragons uh, is run by uh, two types of players. There is the dungeon master who must build out the world. They are... Uh, the rule masters, mm-hmm. the ones who um, set forth, the, they're like the script writers and the director all together. Right. 
right? Yeah. For if we're going with this TV metaphor. Right. And then the other type of player is the actual players or the characters in the game uh, who are like the, you know, you would think of like the uh, the barbarian or the wizard, mm-hmm. you know, all the people that are actually rolling dice and going on adventures. Okay. Those would be like the actors in the play mm-hmm. or in the show. Right. And uh, the longest campaign game I've ever run mm-hmm. has probably been just over two years. Okay. All right. So, well, that's pretty extensive. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's, that's a game where like we would get to, together weekly, essentially mm-hmm. we would have, you know, a break here and there of a few weeks or whatever. Okay. Or like sometimes right. schedules didn't but get overall, together, still but overall years. we tried to get together weekly. Right. Okay. How about this? Number two, my next question. Um, you've mentioned oftentimes that you, you've, you're the dungeon master in a lot of the a lot of the campaigns that you take. You yeah, take forever DM life. Right. So, I well, it's funny you said it like that. I, I feel like that's the most desirable proposition for you. <laughs> for me you, personally, yeah, yeah. Am I wrong in that assessment? Uh, I would say it's certainly the easiest per, uh, position for me, mm-hmm. uh, simply because the longer you play this game, the longer you're within the community. It's rarer to find somebody who is willing to dedicate that amount of yeah, time. You've, you've gone through great pains to write stories, story arcs, things like that. Because you, you have to keep in mind, like, the players, the cast of characters, the only thing they're really responsible for mm-hmm. is their own personal character mm-hmm. and what that character would do and uh, the things that that character has to keep track of. Right. The dungeon master has to keep track of an entire world mm-hmm. set uh, for the players themselves. Okay. They have to design uh, the towns they explore, the dungeons they crawl through, the monsters that they fight. They have to be the barmaid that flirts with the adventurer party. They have to be the evil villain that tells them, oh, you're not good enough to fight me. You know, they have to uh, be the spy that has information uh, for the party when they find out about it. Right. You know, they have to okay. be everything else. So, oh, you see the guy that kind of fills in the cracks, yes. the Dungeon Master. Okay. Which makes sense. Now, outside of Dungeon Master, what's your favorite position? Uh, like my favorite position? Yeah. Well, like your favorite, I don't know, character or role, role to play. Right. No, okay. As is mine. <laughs> um, but like your favorite role to play. Uh, so there are these things called classes in Dungeons and Dragons. It's, it's the, the barbarian, the wizard. The fighter, the rogue, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and uh, I do say typically that I'm a fan of being a cleric or a priest in these games, and it's mostly mechanical. But also, as someone who is not typically religious in real life, mm-hmm. I do enjoy the uh, role playing of being religious mm-hmm. in the game for some right. reason, right? And the morality and the questions thereof that it presents. <clears throat> okay. Um, do you like the Friar Tuck? You like to be Friar Tuck? <laughs> uh, sure. Okay. So how does one start a D&D game? Like, uh, you're there, you got the dice, you got the script. Where do you go? Where do you start? So, um, typically, and this is how I start all my games. Mm-hmm. I gather the players around. We all agree, hey, let's all play D&D. Somebody has to volunteer to be the DM. Somebody has to run the game. So I usually like say, 
All right. So who's going to run the game? Right. Okay. Cricket, cricket, chirp, chirp. Well, if you guys want, I can run the game. Right. (laughs) That's what happens to me most of the time. I Uh, feel like, so you say that, but I kind of imagine it almost in a, so you've ever seen Anchorman? Uh, Yes. Do you remember the scene where he takes her out to dinner? And they try to goad him into playing the flute. He's like, no, I couldn't possibly. I wasn't ever prepared. (laughs) I kind of imagine you kind of like, no, no, I couldn't possibly pull out like this 28 page script that you have written up. (laughs) Uh, You you do gain a lot of resources over the years, you know, Um, but I mean, I wouldn't mind being a player, you know, one of these days, but more often than not, I find myself, uh, running the game uh and typically i sit my players down and i'm like all right let's discuss what kind of game we want to have right. do we want to have uh more laid back and fanciful do we want to have like a serious like gritty kind of grimdark kind of game do we want to you know focus more on combat do we want to focus more on you know role playing whatever it is mm-hmm. and i just kind of get a vibe for like the group right and then i ask them like hey Let's talk about creating characters. Each of them creates a character, and mm-hmm. I create uh, scenarios for those characters to be in. And I typically uh, tell everyone, all right, show up at my house, or we'll show up at somebody's house, and we'll start the game when we get there. Okay. We get to that house, and I say, all right, so you find yourselves in a tavern. <laughs> right. Or whatever it is, you know. Okay. And from then on, the you know, uh, the game is going already. Okay. So you just start off with a scenario, simple as that. Yeah. So you, you just and start everybody off. just kind of happens to be there. Well, it depends, you know. Okay. So like everyone starts off their game a little bit differently, right? Uh, typically during session zero, where I'm like, okay, let's create a character, let's create a story for you, right? Uh, all that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. hey, what kind of game do you guys want? I encourage people to find ways to know each other right. in the game. That okay. way we don't have an awkward, okay, so how do your characters talk with right. these characters and okay. eventually get to that let's be a group thing. Right. Where they put together a, what do they call it, a, um, a company. Yeah, so the ultimate goal is for this group of people, right? you know, anywhere from, you know, three to five in my opinion, right. but it can be any group, number of people, uh, goes on adventures together. Right. right. So I kind of imagine it was like a ragtag group of people that yeah. just kind of find themselves along the way, and before you know it, they're a unit. Exactly. Okay, very cool. So the goal is to get them together in a group, in a mm-hmm. unit, and throw them into an adventure somewhere. Okay. So let me ask you this. Next question, obviously, we've talked about how the game has started. The plausible next follow-up is, how do you know when a game is over? When does it end? How does it end? Uh, similar, well, I mean... A lot of uh, people had different answers to this, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, some people might say, like, the game is over when you exit the dungeon. Great job, everybody. Right. Bravo. Some people might say the game is over when you kill the villain. Okay, great job. Some people might say, and this is more often the case, that the game is over when it just simply devolves and people stop showing up, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But typically for me, and what I've found to be Uh, very satisfying and this happens to maybe half of my games the game is over when one we agree that it's over and two because it has a satisfying and natural conclusion okay so you save the realm you 
um, you managed to bring your daughter back home or uh, you slayed the witch on Witch Mountain or whatever it mm-hmm. is. You know, that is a natural conclusion to a story that you're telling right. with the group. Okay. Um, now, you've mentioned that because you're the dungeon master, oftentimes you're left with the creation creation of the stories, creation of the kind of the plot lines, the plot twists, kind of filling in all the different story, uh, the story beats, right? That is true to a point, but it is not my story I'm telling. It is the story of the group together that we're all telling together. Okay. Right. But I mean, the basis, the so, parameters of the story, you kind I, of. I typically uh, put together plot points. Right. Okay. Right. So you're in a tavern. You guys know each other, whatever. Right. Guess what happens? A vampire shows up at the tavern in the middle of the night right. while you all are partying. Well, right. that's going to be an interesting scenario. Let's see how that plays out. And depending on how that plays out, we either set off on an adventure or I have to find a different plot hook to throw in there. I was having sexy sex with the vampire an option. <sighs> Doug, you'd be playing a bard. <laughs> I know you would. I mean, that makes it sound like it's a dullard. <laughs> I would just simply ask, is that, a, is that an option? Technically, yeah. Okay. Yeah, here's the thing. You know, there, there are uh, limits I tend to put on players. Like, mm-hmm. I let people know fairly early on. I'm not really interested in, like, role-playing a full sex scene straight up. I'm not really interested in that. Oh, people bring that to you? It has so happened. I'm not at my the table only before. bard amongst us. <laughs> it has happened at my table before, and I've cringed every time. Really? That's so. You actually had to go through a sexual encounter in the D and D game. I've definitely tried to avoid it. Yeah, but have you had to do it before? Yes. Okay. Uh, it was awkward and strange. Yeah, fascinating. We'll have to talk about that offline. Um, <laughs> but now, yeah, Nick- so technically, like the option you can present in a game is typically any option you can imagine for yourself okay. within reason. Right. You know, the the point of D&D is to tell a story, mm-hmm. right? And have fun with your friends. Uh, it is the most fun you can have with your brain because you are using, it is just imagination time mm-hmm. and somebody has the power to say, let's, let's see if that succeeds or not. Right. Let's roll a dice for that. So, you had mentioned the plot points, things like that. Where do you draw? Where do you draw inspiration from when you develop these plot points? Uh, everywhere, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, okay. So obviously, Lord of the Rings is a big, mm-hmm. uh, you know, motivator for most of fantasy writing in general. Right. But you know, like, uh, you, you have you see, got anything from Elden Ring? Yeah, absolutely. Like recently, yeah. Uh, so I really enjoy the world building and the lore in Elden right. Ring. So I okay. try to, uh, or to like Dark Souls in general. Right. So I try yeah. to give it that kind of thematic air right. whenever I create a, you know, lore for a world or something or okay. for a game. All right. And, uh, but I draw inspiration from, you know, every piece of media I consume, every uh, real life situation I'm in. Sometimes it's something just clicks and I'm like, that would be an interesting plot point for, right. D&D. Right. You know, I would wonder what would happen if I threw this scenario at my players and it had nothing to do with fantasy right. or adventuring in general. All right. Now, we, I made this mention to you at one point and I actually even actually did a little research and saw that there is a small community for this and it does exist. Did you know there was Dungeons and Dragons dating? Uh, yes, that has been brought to my attention most recently by you. Yes. Now, why? Well, I'm a big believer in the idea. Okay. And wh- why is that, Doug? 
Well, because I think it's something that's a, it's an opportunity um, for just an opportunity because it's all about meeting people, right? Dating is meeting people. Um, it's obviously an instance where you're able to interact with people. It's in a social setting, so it's not as threatening. It's in a group setting, which even makes it more safe. But it's an opportunity for people, like-minded people, people that are into something very similar, for them to sit down together and connect and really share their imagination and their thoughts with one yeah. another. That could be ima- extremely revealing, um, could be sexy, it could be a lot of things. And I think <laughs> yes. there's a general human connection, and I think that as you build fellowship with the people that you play with week to week, I think something could be said for people being built up in that way. Oh, absolutely. I've met some of my best friends playing D&D. Right. Uh, most of the people I've dm for are happily in relationships already, and uh, those who aren't, aren't typically in my experience of course right aren't typically looking for relationships in that way right so you know D and and dating sounds interesting uh i find it difficult to imagine how that would play out in an actual setting okay well it is a thing actually and there's a statistic i have it's one of our random facts we'll get to here at the end okay um i actually have a statistic that makes you feel better about that thought process um Next question for new players, for people that are interested, people that are yeah. uh, D&D curious, I guess. Uh, what would be the best way for you to kind of advice you would give them the best way to kind of start, um, you know, and, and get, get their feet wet in the game itself? Play the game. Straight up. Just come to a session of D&D, uh, you know, make your character, whatever it is, or, you know, uh, approach a group that's already in session or find one that's about to... Uh, get together and explain, hey, I'm new. I would like to play. And, you know, rely on them and their advice for uh, creating your character and whatnot. And then just sit down and play. Don't worry about reading all of the rules in the rule book. Don't worry about, you know, whether or not you're going to uh, <laughs> uh, be Shakespearean worthy actor on stage. That stuff may or may not come when, in time, but. The important thing is is that you sit down and you play and you have fun. You don't need to know anything about how the rules work in the game in order to participate. You know, it is about using your imagination to tell the story of your character. You know, whether that is through hard, you know, gameplay, mm-hmm. you know, like rules as written, uh, or just never touching the dice at all. And just acting out your character in a scene, just sit down with your with your group and play it out. Right. You know, it is a communal game, and people will help you and uh, guide you through that experience. So, like, if you're a new player, don't go read the whole rule book. Right. Don't write a ten page backstory. Don't uh, worry or you know have major anxiety about like the fact that you don't know anything about the history or the lore of the world. Mm-hmm. Just go play. Right. Okay, that's good advice. All right, so my next question would be, is there a national tournament for Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> uh, that's there are certainly like games days. Uh there is the Adventurers League where mm-hmm. you can show up and you can play through adventures and stuff in a more official setting. Right. Uh, there's but, no like grand champion like in chess or something. Well, that's assuming that like you have to win in in a game Chess, like that, right. right? 
And that's the thing about Dungeons and Dragons. There's not really a winner or a loser. Okay, let me rephrase. So is it kind of like a Pulitzer Prize? Is there something like that out there where, like, someone comes up with the most outstanding plot lines or, you know, I I mean, humor me. I'm trying to to understand in the sense of, like, is there any kind of recognition or national a claim that is to be had by playing Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, not in an official sense, okay. I would say. I mean, there are certainly people out there who are recognized as being excellent game masters or like have put their stories right. out there to be read or to be witnessed as people play the game. And again, like the Adventurers League is out there with mm-hmm. uh, pre-written adventures for right. people to play through that right. are well-known and recognized. But as far as like an award or a champion in any kind of sense that like most other games like you you would you would maybe possibly have like a monopoly champion sometime but that's not how D &D actually works you know how long that game would take if it was a monopoly championship long time my god all right so me and you obviously you know we've discussed several times video games our love for video games are sure while our video game tastes someone oftentimes are different uh, we both have that in common ground is sure we are both gamers one way or the other why does there not seem to be more of a, and forgive me if I'm wrong on this, but seem I know in recent history, since about this pandemic has started, that when the pandemic has started, it became more of a rush for online D&D connections and online D&D sure. leagues and things of that nature. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of in the way of D&D as far as a gaming footprint. Why is that? Uh, I'd actually... I want. I would ask that you clarify what you mean by gaming. Well, it would seem like it would be a you know with especially when nowadays with cross platform gaming and and ways that you, you know we play um, Apex Legends all the time. You know what I mean? Well, that's uh-huh. something something we can connect with other people. We we playing around with a hundred other people. Sure. Why does it not seem to be more of an avenue where you can play online and almost have the visuals of the game? You know, things of that. I mean, just imagine if you could have the visuals of a Dark Souls or something like that right. while you were playing a D&D campaign. Mm-hmm. It seemed like that would be awesome. Why doesn't it seem like that's more of an option? There are options for that, Doug. Okay. And that's, uh, that's where I'll tell you that um, this may just be uh, lack of exposure, but uh, there are options for people to play D&D online. There are options. I mean, I know, and I don't mean to interrupt, I just, for the cl- sake of clarity, I know there's things where people are playing Zoom and doing it on Zoom and, right. and, and d- through functions like that, but can you turn on a video game and play D&D? A game console or gaming computer, can you turn that on and play Dungeons and Dragons? There are certainly video games that have modeled themselves after Dungeons and Dragons. There's a lot of multiplayer games that model themselves after Dungeons and Dragons. Model, but can you play it? No. Okay. And that's because... Uh, the dungeon master has so much freedom to create the game mm-hmm. that there's no possible way to encapsulate any and all possibility within a single platform or game. Right. But I will say that there are many online tools. There are many uh, virtual platforms uh, where people mm-hmm. can create as yeah. much as they can think right. of and imagine uh, within their game. Roll20 is a big one. Uh, Fantasy Grounds is another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think D and D Beyond is coming up with yeah, an, that's a, a big one. Right, one that was one I, one I read Beyond. about. Yep. So the the problem with creating a video game for Dungeons and Dragons, which they have multiple times over, mm-hmm. based on the game, mm-hmm. uh, is the fact that Dungeons and Dragons is different for everyone. Right. Everyone is telling a different story. Everyone has a different character, and everyone plays a little differently. 
So the wide scope of possibility cannot be encapsulated in a medium like yeah. that. I guess in my mind, I would think, you know, just and, and, and maybe it's easier for me to, to, to think about than it actually is in reality. You know, I would think like with the opportunity for you to actually input your own storylines. Uh, I mean, because, you know, hell, you play a wrestling game, you can create your own storylines. Just create your own storyline, GM mode, that sure. type of thing. You know what I mean? So, yes, a lot of it is simplistic, but I would think with if with the right with the right um, system, the right technology, you would be able to somehow upload stories into it. And really, to me, the thing that I guess I'm leaning on the most is the actual visual playing it out because. You know, I understand the allure of the game, and I understand mm-hmm. that even like the maps and things like that aren't even necessarily absolutely necessary to the mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. It is a visual, there's a visual component that, that the maps and things like that help with. I just imagine, could you possibly, you know, when I think about it, could you possibly imagine you're carrying out your D&D world while online with the headset with your friends and how immersive that could be, almost in a World of Warcraft sort of way. I understand that, and the problem comes with just uh, the technology of the Not day. Maybe yet. one day that'll right. be a possibility, right. but again, uh, somebody has to spend time setting all that up. Right? Yeah, of course. You know, so course. <laughs> you know, like yeah. video games are um, multi-million-dollar projects, and they are years in the making, and that's only to tell one story. Right? You know, so telling an infinite amount of story, an infinite possibility, is much right. more difficult. Right? No, because uh, you're right, as you said, every story is different. Yes, and so there are platforms where you can do something similar, but it is certainly not to the level yet right? where you can load into a virtual reality world and tell any story you want. Right. But you can do such things uh, with digital tools right. online where you can have a similar experience, although it's not fully like rendered 3D or anything like mm-hmm. that, if you're willing to put in the time uh, to create those things in the platforms that are currently available okay all right i think this is about as succinct as an answer we're gonna get so yeah i just think we just aren't there yet possibly and we'll just i'll just have to accept that and shut up um <laughs> now you mentioned D beyond what is you want to for those of the uninitiated did you want to explain a little bit more D beyond uh D beyond is a third-party company uh that licenses many of official dungeons and dragons products and puts them together in a easily digestible, searchable uh, way, and it allows you to create character sheets and uh, you know interacting in- interactable you know resources uh, to make your Dungeons and Dragons game easier and more smoother. I will right. say. Okay. So, for example, I have a number of the physical D and D books right over there. Right, you can see them. Right mm-hmm. now, Wizards of the Coast Hasbro. Uh, owns Dungeons and Dragons, and they produce those books, right? Maybe forty, fifty dollars, depending. Mm-hmm. Now, D and D Beyond is a third-party company with license to sell them, so you have to go and buy those books again on right. the website. But when you do, everything becomes searchable, just like Google, right? Which okay. becomes very useful when you're searching for monsters or magic items or anything like that for a game. Okay. Um. Now, I think it goes without saying, and I don't think, and I'm not being funny by asking this, there seems to be a certain stigma around people that play D&D, despite, you know, we've pointed out, you know, there's several celebrities, uh, well-to-do people in Hollywood that Listen, are D&D, D&D players. Listen, D&D is, these days, D&D is mainstream. 
Right, but there still is a stigma. We just, I mean, you shared a story with me before we started because you were simply playing Dungeons and Dragons. Someone made a judgment of you, right, as a human being. I don't remember that um, story. Okay, um, well, I'll remind you once okay. we get done. Um, I don't want to put anybody in blast, but there still seems to be, for certain sector of society, a stigma around Dungeons and Dragons and people that play Dungeons and Dragons. Why is that? Why do you think that is? I should oh, say because it's nerdy. <laughs> You know, right. uh, it is literally well, people sitting around having a good time playing pretend, essentially. Right. Uh, right. And do you think the role playing plays a role in that at all? Like the fact that you have to role play? Because I do think some people there's a discomfort with being outside of a, being a character outside of who you are. Yeah, I would say that's possibly contributing factor. Right. But, you know, people are just afraid to express themselves a lot of the time. And Dungeons and Dragons is all about you expressing yourself through right. various different forms. Yeah. No, because as you said, it's become more and more mainstream. It's become more among, uh, more more prevalent amongst the, the social consciousness. But there's still a lot of people, I think, that share the idea that, you know, it's a bunch of incels sitting down in their basement, like, with books and stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, and now, I just, you, I guess I was curious for your actually, feedback on why own, maybe uh, you thought that was. Uh, a family member of mine recently... Uh, heard that I had uh, girls in my game, and mm-hmm. they were like, "Wow, that's that's got to be exceedingly rare. Wow, you have girls in your game, <laughs> right? Okay, right, you right. know that that's got to yeah. be tough. They must be really yeah. interesting." And I'm like, "Honestly, I I've had girls in my game uh, since I started playing, right? So, well, as I said, I have a random fact and, for that, and we'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, and like I, I would venture to say that um, they're as interested and capable." as anyone else like it's not a bunch of incel dudes like sitting in their basement basement right, going like right. oh i need more funions like right those days yeah. are- ma you got the meatloaf yeah yeah <laughs> all right um next question can you play D by yourself <laughs> i would say that you need you at laugh least, but i asked that you need at least uh a dungeon master and at least one player i looked it up and you actually absolutely can play by yourself sure. okay yeah um is that weird uh i mean whatever floats their boat man <laughs> that was kind of one of my little poke at you like, i'm joke. not sure how that would work playing by yourself but hey you know whatever yeah i mean really in essence you would just be all of the all the things really the dice would decide your outcomes you would be the dungeon master right uh sure i mean uh choose your own adventure book style i suppose yeah. You would just, you know, and you have the dice to decide. So it's not like you're like, you know, you're 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 fixing the hand to your benefits. You still got to play the outcome, play the result. All right. So my next question is, you know, now I know from doing some research, there's a lot of different various character types. Would you call me a barge? A bard, B A R D. Okay. A A, a minstrel, a musician slash performer. Okay, I'm the guy that plays the. The thing in um, yeah. The Witcher. Okay, their their stereotype that. is that uh, they're you know <laughs> whimsical, whimsical, frivolous, <laughs> uh, more interested in seducing the barmaid than going off on adventure. Uh, but you know that that is a stereotype. You don't necessarily have to be that in order right. to play a bard. Well, of course. Um, now, what would you say in your experience is the most popular type of character? <laughs> the most popular type, yeah. I mean, it varies from addition uh, to addition, and certainly it varies from person to person, but mm-hmm. you can't go wrong with a good old-fashioned fighter. Okay. 
You know, it's like a knight it's, or something. It's the uh, it's the class that I would recommend to any beginner, uh, simply because it is fairly straightforward. You right. know what your role is, and you can have fun learning the game and uh, developing your character without worrying about some of the more advanced systems like uh, magic or you know sorcery points. But it or does like, help to have a variety of different types of people on your quest. No, sure, yeah, okay, okay. But the knight, you would say, is probably the most basic, the basic bees. Uh, yeah, the fighter. Okay. okay. And a fighter encapsulates all kinds of adventurers. It can be your knight. It can be a samurai. It could be uh, a you know, bar brawler. Mm-hmm. It could be, uh, you know, your basic thug, you know. Now, you'd mentioned your It could be an archer. You know, it, it okay. could be all so kinds of. So a variety of, of different type of fighter types. Yeah. Okay. Now, you mentioned yours was a kind of a religious cleric. cleric. Yeah. Okay. Somebody who uses holy magic. Okay. Uh, why is that your favorite? Uh, because they can do a little bit of everything. Okay. They, um, they can fight like a fighter. Mm-hmm. They can heal like a healer. They can cast, you know, damaging magic at you. They mm-hmm. can cast beneficial magic for them. They can cause an enemy to go blind. They can you know, ask their God for forgiveness or whatever the fuck it is. Like they can do a little bit of everything mm-hmm. and they typically, uh, they don't even have to be a holier than thou person. Okay. Like they could follow a, a God or a religion that is completely, uh, antithetical to the society that they're in. Right. You know, they could be evil. They could be good. They could be chaotic. They could be, you know, orderly. They can, that you can fashion your, cleric or your character in any way you want okay so i just imagine you now running around like with like a like a cross on your back but like sure. a cross that you pull out and it turns into a sword i mean that'd be cool <laughs> why not <laughs> um now number 16 my next question i was while doing some research for this um i you know, I was reading some information on it, and it said it's useful for characters that have a backstory. Yeah. Why? Because uh, it tells you where you've been, and it uh, will inform where you go. You know? Right. It helps to have a backstory so you understand your character a little bit more. Because mm-hmm. you don't meet a character uh, in a void, right? Right. They are coming from somewhere in order to go somewhere. Right. Life experiences that yeah. are all their own. Right. Yeah. So you you don't get that iconic scar over your eye without having the story uh, the story about how to you know it got there. Right. You don't uh you you don't learn that you're a wizard without having a reason as to why you know magic. You right. know. Okay. Uh, so. It doesn't have to be a massive backstory, but to have an idea of where your character came from to be here today, mm-hmm. it's not a bad idea. I was going to say, now, does that play into the decision-making, or does that play into the actual story in any way that's tangible? It can. Okay. Like, certainly, uh, uh, I don't recommend people give 10-page backstories for right. any character that they have, but a little bit helps. Okay. Uh, and if you were to share that backstory with the person who's running the game... Uh, it can be useful to tie in right. your character to the story that's going on right. currently by making callbacks to your history. Right. Right. Which so, makes you as a player 
more invested in the story that's happening because of the story that happened. Okay. So if all okay, yeah, I guess I I, I want to follow up with another question. So as I was doing this research, it it not only mentioned the importance of having a backstory for the character, but actually even mentioned there was important for the characters to actually have a, a moral code. Yes, yeah, so uh, the moral code that is currently in Dungeons & Dragons is called the Alignment System, and it was mm-hmm. introduced uh, to the game a long, long, long time ago, back in the late 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm. And it typically is represented as a uh, diagram of nine squares, right? And uh, the top row of these nine squares are the lawful, or no, the good squares. Mm-hmm. And it goes... Uh, the middle row is neutral, right? And the bottom row is evil, okay? Mm-hmm. And then from left to right, you know, the left-hand column is all lawful. The middle is neutral, mm-hmm. and the right is chaotic. So on a spectrum from lawful, chaotic, and good and evil, you have typically nine different options. You have lawful good in the top left-hand corner and okay. chaotic evil in the bottom right. But yeah. you could also have uh, chaotic good, good right. lawful evil. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say um, Red Dead Redemption 2 had something to that effect, had a scale of somewhat that was Certainly. that way. Yeah. A lot of Okay, so I'm familiar games... with the, pro- the, the, the idea of it. Um, so, yeah, now, I guess the reason why I found that a bit, I was a bit taken aback by that was because of the idea of really, doesn't it come down to the moral code of the person actually controlling the character and their kind of experiences in life with the decision they make? Certainly it could reflect that. But if you're playing a character that is the complete opposite of your own moral right. code, it doesn't mean you can't play that okay. character. Yeah, I guess I could see the allure so, like, that for the if you DM, want to play a villain. The DM, for example, is in charge of all the villains. Right. Now the DM may be a nice, good person, but he's not going to play nice, good characters. Right. You know? Right. Uh, do you do voices? I typically do, do yeah. Okay. Um, you know, the... The super sweet, you know, uh, very giving girl over in my D and D campaign uh, is playing an absolute chaotic menace, right? Because that's something she never gets to do in real life. Right. That's not something right. that she gets to experience. Right. And so, experiencing through the game, you know, she's finding she's having a lot of fun. Okay, is that who she is in real life? No, no, right. But she gets to have a lot of fun doing it in the game. Okay. Now, my next question. Um, now I'm guessing on your time, cause you, how long have you been playing Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, I'm actually <laughs> relative latecomer. I, uh, started playing in my early twenties. Okay. So about a decade. Uh, so about started? a decade. I've been okay. playing. Um, you've created, I'm going to guess a variety of different characters that you've played different quests with. Who's your favorite character? Do you have a favorite character? Like one that was uniquely like kind of you got to kick out of planning when maybe we're kind of sad or maybe someone that you've retread a couple of times. Uh, I mean, I love all my characters. Right. Of course. Of course. <laughs> right. But is there one that like stood out where you're like, wow, that was a really fun character. I'm going to use him again or her again, whatever. Uh, I typically don't retread characters a lot. Okay. Um, as far as me as a player mm-hmm. creating characters, there are three that I really enjoyed. Uh one is this guy named Tendelioth, mm-hmm. uh dragonborn eldritch knight fighter and he was the kind of character who was there to do right mm-hmm. but didn't really know how 
Okay. He was there to find out how he could do enough good to impress his dad and go back home. Because okay. ultimately, it was just about him finding worth in himself. Right. Right? Okay. And just being okay with being okay with himself. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And adventuring along the way. Uh, my very first character was named Urian, mm-hmm. Paladin. And okay. this was uh, before I really knew how to role play in anything. And he was very, like, serious, very stern. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a lot of fun with him because, like, one, I was learning the game. Right. And uh, two, I was uh, really enjoying just, like, being the anchor for the party of chaotic people right. around me. Okay. You know, being that force of law and the uh, party that really wanted to go out and break that law. Right. You know? Okay. And uh, there was a uh, there was a character I played um, much a little bit later when I had more experience, and his name was Vinny Blackfoot. Okay. He was a <laughs> he was a gnome <clears throat> wizard. Right. Uh and I came in ha- like uh, a few sessions after the main group. Uh, I was approached by a friend of mine and they were like, hey, we need somebody who's good at role playing in the game and, you know, is willing to get invested because we're having a couple of problems with our players currently. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come in. How do you want me to introduce myself? And they were like, I don't know, just come up with something. And I'm like, OK. So I just showed up in a bar one day sat down next to the main adventuring party and was like, hey, I've heard about you guys. You guys sound cool. Can I come? Right. And they were like, who the hell is this guy? Right. But he was there uh, to make a big name for himself. He was going to attach himself to the uh, biggest name adventuring party. He was going to do grand, amazing things. And he was going to bring fame and fortune to his uh, hometown and get his parents, you know, a sweet little mansion right. and get himself a nice tower and all that kind of stuff. He was going to be rich and famous and all the while putting on this big persona of uh, grandeur. Right. But in reality, you know, he was still just a kid. And he died like a kid, too. Wow. Which was a very sad part of the story. All right. Well, your character died? Yeah. What do you happens when your character dies mid... Do you create another one? Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> we had a whole funeral for that character. Right. But, uh, yeah, so typically, um, maybe a session will, will pass or something, and then I'll reintroduce uh, a new character right. that I'm making. Because that would just suck just to keep showing up and your character's dead and you can't do anything. Um. Okay. So, what are some... For the the new and uninitiated, or just generally speaking, what are some D and D faux pas, some no nos, things that you shouldn't do? Don't show up to the game, uh, and expect a party. That's something I would. I mean, what do you mean? Don't get drunk at the table. Okay. I mean, like that may work in some scenarios mm-hmm. if you're like down to have a good time or whatever. Bard, it sounds but, like it works. Sure. But like <laughs> there's a difference between having a drink. Right. Or like having a smoke or whatever right. and getting obliterated. Right. You know, right. that is not what the game is for. That's not what the social gathering is for. Right. You know, 
uh, don't be creepy when you're at the game. Mm-hmm. Like, respect each other's boundaries. Respect each other. Like, if somebody says they don't want to do sex stuff or whatever, right. you know, like I have said before, mm-hmm. don't then make it a point to do it. <laughs> right. You know? Right. All right. Now, um, and communicate. Communicate with the people you're uh, playing with. There have been so many times when, you know, somebody has been frustrated with uh, how a game is going or like they don't like something somebody is doing at the table and they just don't talk about it. They just let it stew mm-hmm. and then they just blow up. quit or they right. leave or they say, this is stupid. I'm done. Right. You know, communicate. If no. you have a problem, if you would like to see something happen, if you would like to see something stop happening, say something. Okay. Now, what about things like this? Are these would be would these be considered pet peeves or faux pas for you? Um, have you ever had an instance when someone tried to split the party in half or go in their own way? Oh yeah, sometimes I encourage it. Right. Okay. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, you want to split the party? Right. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. Well, but what typically about- that's a pet peeve of people because it becomes much more difficult to manage right the story of mm-hmm. two separate things going on right. at the same time and keep everyone engaged okay now how about um challenging another character to a fight yeah a that, duel, can be, that, kind of? that can be difficult because uh unintended consequences can happen right and sometimes people's egos battle each other in a way that isn't conducive to uh good gaming okay yeah, I mean, I can see that would be problematic. It's kind of an unnecessarily asshole thing to do. Yeah, essentially. Because um, you're just like, I just want to kill your character off. <laughs> but I mean, in the essence of parties, things like this happen. Um, so there is some realism to that. So I could see the, where there would be a little bit of a draw in that regard. Yeah, but again, um, like, it's about communication. Like, if that's something that you want, you want to see inner party dynamics, sure, go for it. But do it in a way that everyone's on board. Do it right. in a way that everyone understands that it's a part of the game. And that, you know, we're being respectful all the way through. Now, is there a way to cheat at Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, people say that if you're not cheating at Dungeons and Dragons, that you're not doing it right. <laughs> How do you cheat? Like, I mean, it seems pretty straightforward. You roll the dice, you put the, you oh, put the yeah, outcomes yeah, and things yeah. like that. Oh. How do you cheat? Uh, so people, I know uh, some people fudge dice. Some people, oh, wow. Yeah. So like wow. they'll roll the dice. Uh, and they will like roll it behind their hand or something. They're like, "Oh yeah, I got a, I got a 19. right? And or like they roll the dice, pick it up real quick, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I, I succeed," you know? Yeah. Or like they'll roll the dice when nobody's looking, and then they'll pick it up and roll it again, and they're like, "Oh okay, yeah, no, that's the number I got." Right. Or they'll continually roll dice uh, when it's not their turn, but when they get a good number, they'll stop and they're like, "Oh, I rolled already, and that's the number I got." You know, so okay. yeah, dice rolling cheating is a little bit of a thing, <laughs> but it's it's not a hard and fast game typically. Right. So I'm a little bit more forgiving in those situations unless it's egregious. Right. You know, like you're doing that all the time, dude. Come on. You know, I understand if you roll a dice and you maybe fudge it because you've missed the last 20 attacks in a row and you just want to hit once today. Right. I get it. Whatever. You know, yeah. but like when you're always hitting the, right. the critical hit every right. single time because right. you're you know rolling the dice in a certain way like come on dude like let's all let's all have a little bit of fun here let's let's be a little bit more mature about it yeah or, it seems a bit petty or uh people typically um like 
forget that they used up special items on their character sheet or like <laughs> right. uh, there's a certain amount of spells you can do in a day and sometimes I'm like how many times have you cast a level 3 spell right this this combat encounter yeah. you know and they're like oh I thought I could just do that whenever and it's like right. no right. that's not how it works you know but is there is that ever outlined how that works sorry is that outlined generally speaking or oh yeah i mean there's a whole like most of the rules of dungeons and dragons focus on combat and focus on the specific things and powers you get as a character in a fantasy setting uh and dungeons dungeon masters are actually encouraged to cheat right you know because they're the ones telling the story right so there have definitely been times where i'm rolling the dice and oh wow that dice said I did a hundred damage to your character. Hey, uh, how much health do you have? Oh, I've got like ten health left. Uh, oh, that, you know the dragon misses. Right. Yeah, complete whiff. And I'm like, touch right. that one. I don't necessarily right. want to kill that guy off right now. Right. Okay. Now, when you're playing Dungeons Master, when you're doing the being the Dungeon Master, are you drunk with power? Drunk with power. <laughs> Some DMs get like that. Yeah. Some DMs, uh, unfortunately, uh, they think it's their story. They think it's their game, and the players are privileged right. to be able to sit at their table. Wow. You know, and yeah. I do not agree with that. Yeah. Certainly, I am trying to run a cohesive game. Right, of course. And you know, sometimes I will make rulings. Yeah. You know, because like this is just how it is. Sorry, right. guys. Yeah. Uh, but. I always am reminding myself, like, this is not my story. This is everyone's story. You know, this is everyone's game, and everyone here is here to have fun. My job is to make sure everyone's having fun. Right. Right? Yeah. And so to keep things moving, sometimes I'll be like, okay, and that's nice, and let's move on. Right. You know, let's, all right, so we don't necessarily need to focus on all the details for that. So, like, uh, let's go ahead and move on to this next character. Right. You know, but... Drunk with power? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Um, well, I didn't really think you'd be drunk with power. But let me ask you this. Is showing up late to a session the shittiest thing you can do as a Dungeons & Dragons player? As a player? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would see, like, that would be pretty difficult. It's... Because you're already down the, going down the stream of the story, and then here comes some asshole in the middle of it. Or is it easy just to slide them into the story? Well, I mean, I guess it depends, because, like... Well, and I, what I mean by this is if you have a party of nine, right? Right. If all of a sudden one of the party of nine has been going on these entire quests with you, all of a sudden isn't there, then shows up midstream, how do you incorporate them back into the story? They're supposed to have been with you the whole time. Sure. You know what I mean? That, so, that can be difficult. Some of it can be hand-waved. Like, right. oh, yeah, they were there. They are just being pretty quiet. Quiet, right. You know, okay. or... Uh, we slept in. Like, oh, they had to step out and do some business. Right. They had to go right. take a leak. Whatever. I like that, yeah. You know? But uh, typically, the most challenging thing is to introduce a well, not the most, but a challenging part of it is to introduce a new character in the middle of an active story, right? Right, and expect them to be as invested and as engaged and as gung ho as the rest of the party mm-hmm. who are who have been invested in this story, in this arc, or this you know adventure for however long it's been going, right? You know, so that that is typically the biggest challenge for yeah. me. Uh, but there are obviously creative ways to introduce people there. Uh, now, as far as like showing up to a single session, like, oh yeah, if Matt's running 30 minutes late, 
no big deal. We'll just right. eat some fun yeah, right, right, <laughs> you know, right. have a soda, talk about like, oh, hey, how was, uh, how was work today? But, right. You know, so like not a big deal. If someone's going to miss a session, not a big deal. Like, oh, okay, so that character, uh, who wants to, you know, run the stats for this character? Who wants to just uh, say that uh, they were busy off taking a leak behind the tavern? Mm-hmm. Or Like, uh, we'll just say that they, uh, you know, have some business or they're pretty quiet today. No big deal. Okay. Now, out of all the people you've known that you've never played Dungeons & Dragons with, who would you love to have a chance to play? Like, who's, like, your dream person to play with? Like, would it be, like, a parent, like your father or something? Somebody that you would like to bring into the fold that you think would actually be really fun. So, I mean, I typically am very open about uh, my passion for Dungeons & Dragons, and Mm -hmm. I try to be as welcoming as possible Mm -hmm. to anyone who would have an interest. Right. And so I have played with my parents. I have played with my sister. I've played with my best friends. I've played with my roommates. Even even my current roommate has played with me at least once. What about Freddy? Freddy? Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean I. No, I mean, has he ever played with you though? He is not. Okay, but that would seem like it'd be fun. Yeah, I I think he doesn't understand what it is yet. Right, right. <laughs> but, you right. know, um, yeah. I mean, I typically welcome anyone who wants to play to the table. Okay. Now that does mean that I have had some sour apples. Right. Uh, and you know, to your to the point earlier about showing up late, we were gonna have a session at uh my friend Spencer's house mm-hmm. and he, he stepped out about 10 minutes before like, Oh, I got to run, do something real quick. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, we're starting here soon. So be, be quick. Right. And he's like, okay, two and a half hours later, <laughs> he shows up back at nice. his house. Right. Right. You know, going like, sorry, that's a longer than I thought. And I'm like, dude, it's been almost three hours. Right. Since you left. Right. Your mom made us pasta. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So at that point, I was just like, dude, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. You know? No, that seems kind of rude. Um, all right. Now, is there anyone, let's say, in the world of famous people or the people that, because I remember we do talked about before your dream person to play with would be, I think he was another dungeon master or some renown. Um, out of all the people, celebrity or things like that, who would you find who you think would be an interesting dungeon person? A dungeon oh, I have DD no idea. Person? I'm, sure every, I'm sure everyone would be an interesting. I think Hollywood people place. would be really good at that game. Sure, yeah, because you know it's obviously a man. You know who would be great at that game? Hmm. George R. R. Martin. I bet yeah, he plays. I wonder. You know who else would be good at that game? Who else? I would venture to say someone like. Uh, um, I think the entire cast of Harry Potter would be pretty awesome. Probably. I think that would be fun. Now here's the thing: like, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that they have played. Right. You know, like no, no nor would I. Yeah, you know, like, uh, and I don't think that Henry was the Cavill of the question played before, right. and you know, everybody yeah. loves Henry, Henry Cavill these days. Yeah, um, Vin Diesel plays. Yeah, Angelina Jolie. No, no, Jolie yeah. has no I guess it's more along the lines of just kind of the fan, the fantasy aspect of someone that you would be fantas- like fascinated to play with. I don't know anybody. Yeah, anybody at all. Sure. Okay, I've told you mine's Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. Just because. You know, I just want to hear him say the wizard has defeated the dragon. I'm, sh- you know, there is a website called Cameos. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we can get Morgan Freeman to say that for you. <laughs> you think he's on Cameo? I, bet I don't think he's he on is. Cameo. I would doubt that very much. So, anyway, um, did you? So, and I'm and I'm pretty much wrapped up here with my questions. I hope they, you know, they were uh, fair and yeah, and, and yeah. you know and and insightful on some level. Um, what do you know? 
Is there I, anything that you want to have a parting shot with regards to Dungeons and Dragons or just in general? I want to ask you a question. Doug. Sure. Would you be willing to play a game of Dungeons and Dragons? When? Anytime. Um, I think I would be open to the idea All of right. giving it a whirl. Um, I, I, I would. Um, part of me is I. While I have, I can have a big personality. It's I'm kind of an introverted extrovert. At least I've developed into that sure. over time. So letting out the personality. And I think it would be a bit a bit strange for me, a, a departure, I should probably say, um, for seeing. Because there is the role-playing aspects. There oh, is the yeah. people and character and that kind of stuff. And while I was in... I was an old stage man myself once <laughs> upon a time. Um, I, I, I think it's been a while since I've had to use that part of my mind. Um, so doing that would be different. I certainly would would find some challenges in developing a character, I think, um, other than just not something something that was original, not something that, like, for instance, when you called me the bard, all I simply see now is myself as the guy that plays the, the ukulele. And, um, Here's the thing, and, uh, you know, with the stereotypes the exist for a reason. Right. And there's really no problem in playing into a stereotype because everyone makes the stereotype their own. Right. Regardless. Right. And if the the object of the game isn't to create the most unique, you know, flower out there. Okay. You know, it's not to be a, a perfectly unique snowflake. The purpose is to have fun. Right, of course. You know, course. so if you it is a if, game. if you find a stereotype that you identify with or that you wouldn't mind playing you know, if you want to be the, you know, the raging barbarian that gets drunk, yeah, swing my axe and get right. a tankard of ale, you right. know, then do it. You know, if you want to uh, be the stern, like holier than thou paladin, like, oh, you shall never break. I shall never break my vow of, you know, chastity. chastity right. Then absolutely go for it. If you want to be the wizard who's super uppity, you know, with elven ears and stuff. And you're like, hmm, I don't know. You might not understand the things that I'm talking about. Then go for it. You know, the whole point is to have fun, not right. not be, you know. Okay. Speaking of fun, the sex thing that you did. <laughs> <clears throat> I, I have to. I have to. I, I have to ask one more question. Did they have to act it out like the characters? Like, did you have like the I one miniature fade to black. on top of the other miniature? What? Like, you know, because you have them like the, the model toys, or the, like the little models that are part of the map, uh, well, right? I mean, that I'm is... Tr- I'm sorry for the wording. I, I, I should mention that that is a completely optional part of the game. Right. Like, but, you can play an entire D&D game right. campaign session, whatever, okay. without any of the models. No, understood. So, but when you did that, did you have the model on top of the other model? No. Did they, like, act... Kind of like, I'm visioning um, Team America World Police, sure. the love scene. Yeah. Um, I'm envisioning that. Is that what it was like? That that is not what I did. Uh, <laughs> I kept trying to go, and we fade to black. And right. They're like, oh, but I do this, and I'm like, yeah. uh, like why are okay, you yeah, that yeah. that uh, that. And then we fade to black, and yeah. then they're like, oh, but what if I did that? And I'm like, okay, dude. Were they trying the- to creep you out? I think they were trying to creep you out. It sounds like they were trying to get under your skin. I think they were having trouble picking up the hint that I didn't want to do that. Right. Oh, okay. They yeah. just they were just daft. Okay. Um. Okay. Did you, is there anything? I mean, I felt like this was informative. I learned a lot here today. <laughs> Good. I'm um, glad. So, yeah, I thought, you know, I wanted to make sure and give you the platform to kind of get on and really talk about some of the maybe misconceptions, um, some of the, you know, the basic kind of fundamentals of it for those who aren't initiated. They maybe could visualize it a little better. I think you did a good job kind of laying that out. 
Is there any other, I'll wrap this up with my, this question. Is there any uh, misconception or anything, any takeaway that you want people to have with Dungeons and Dragons? It's about your friends getting together, having a good time. And that's okay. ultimately what it's about. Like if it becomes anything else, then you're doing it wrong. Okay. All right, Nick. So, um, thank you for your time. You are a wonderful guest. And you answered all my questions very succinctly. Well, you know, so thank you for having me on your show, Doug. I hope I can come <laughs> back sometime soon. Um, so you are in luck, though. I do have random facts Ooh. for you. We didn't forget those. All right, Nick. You ready? I'm ready. Facts. Doug's Fun Facts. All right, Nick, as always, we start off with the bonus. I love the bonus. Did you know, Nick, the dime has exactly 118 ridges on its edge? Oh, wow. Yeah. little fun fact for you. Now, obviously, um, we had some other ones that were fun here. So I wanted to make sure and utilize this. Number five. Did you know, Nick, that 4.3 billion minutes of D&D content has been watched on Twitch? That makes a lot of sense. That is a lot of time, yeah. my friend. I mean, that Critical Role has certainly uh, you know, paved the road for a lot of uh, streaming content on that yeah. platform. It, did you know it's actually the number one streaming uh, show on mm-hmm. Twitch? I can believe that. Well, just because, well, for one, you're getting to watch the game happening, mm-hmm. and it's interactive, so you could probably, I can see there's a lot of, uh, you know, um, a voyeuristic nature to that, where you actually get to watch these people carry out their stories. And that could be fascinating because if, in essence, if they're doing it right, it's like you're watching a movie or a show, you know, from, from yeah, it's one typically presented to as a, uh, you know, a show. Right. And fun fact, another fun fact for you, Critical Role, their first campaign, um, a part of it has been adapted into a uh, animation series that you can mm-hmm. watch on Amazon Prime. It's called uh, The Legends of Vox Machina. Okay, go watch it on Amazon Prime. Have you ever seen the movie Dungeons and Dragons with um, the Wayans brother? Fortunately, yes. Okay. God, what a terrible movie that is. Yeah, I remember it not being great. I remember being kind of bummed when they killed off Damon Wayans or Marlon Wayans, whatever the Wayans brother was. I can't remember why. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Number five. Did you know, Nick? You know all about D&D, sure. but did you know about TNT, Tunnels and Trolls? I did not know about that. Abbreviated TNT, it was direct and a very early competitor to D&D, which utilized many similar concepts of the Guy Gag Anderson creation. It was a fantasy role-playing game designed by Ken St. Andre, which was first published in 1975, one year after D&D began, mm-hmm. by Flying Buffalo. It holds the title of being the second modern role-playing game published. Interestingly enough, it hasn't faded away over the years. In fact, as of August 2015, Flying Buffalo published Deluxe Tunnels and Trolls, a 386-page new edition of the rules. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Number... Hold on. All right. number, Number three. Did you know, Nick, as we mentioned before about women and whatnot playing D&D... D&D is not as male-dominated as it once was. Nope, not at all. In fact, 39% of players that play Dungeons & Dragons identify as female. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, Dungeons & Dragons has always driven to be, well, I won't say always, but 
has especially in recent years striven to be extremely inclusive uh and is you know mainstream as i've said and thanks to uh certain popular uh services such as twitch and you know youtube and stuff uh, has become much more visible mm-hmm. to people who are into nerdy culture like uh anybody who's into uh, Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or any any nerdy stuff like that will find some uh, kindred like spirit mm-hmm. with Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Okay. Now I have another one, number two. Now this one is not Dungeons and Dragons based, but it's Pokemon based, so it's still you know kind of nerd culture adjacent. Did you know, Nick? I did not know this, and I'm actually a player of this game, the Pokemon Rhydon. Like it looks like a, a rhino with a drill sure, nose. Yeah. Was the first ever, first Pokemon ever created. I did not know that. I did not. I always thought it was like Pikachu or one of the more popular ones, you know. But no, Rhydon was the first ever Pokemon created. And that leaves us with number one. Did you know, Nick, most D&D players, 40%, are aged 25 or younger. Yeah, there's a whole new uh, generation of players coming into this uh, the hobby. Now, only 11% of the players are over 40, so 11% of the people that play are in my age bracket. Um, that's to me, was a pretty surprising statistic. Uh, the game is nearly only is almost nearly 50 years old, Yep. Um, but the majority of the players are half that age. Since the fifth edition that was released, I believe, in 2000, was it 18, 19, somewhere in that Oh, realm? no, I would say it was released in 2014. Okay, the fifth edition. Uh, since it was released, the focus shifted from storytelling and eliminated a lot of the more complex math. Yes. Making the game much more appealing to a younger audience. So uh, there's a little bit of a history there. So um, Dungeons & Dragons has obviously gone through a number of iterations, mm-hmm. a number of editions, uh, and early editions were very bare bones, uh, and it became more complicated. And the further the game pushed into the possibility of imagination uh the more it it tried to encompass everything you could do and there were rules for everything right my god you know there was uh a time in 3.5 where there were rules for how to have sex in D &D, you know (laughs) right and it became such a glut of math and uh you know uh, rules lawyerism that it really turned a lot of people away from the hobby, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But since they've um, simplified and streamlined a lot of those rules, it became much, much more accessible. And in, people found that it didn't really take away from the storytelling aspect of it at all, mm-hmm. uh, but it did uh, take away from the <laughs> the math of it. Okay. Right. So uh part of the joy I initially found with Dungeons and Dragons is, you know, finding a very powerful build that you could uh build on paper with uh the rules. But as I've been playing for longer and longer, the more I care the less I care about the math and the rules of it, and the more I care about us having fun at the table. Right. You know, so there is still rules, there is still math. In the game, you can still look at like who's more powerful technically on paper if certain situations happen, blah, blah, blah. And you go on Reddit and find all the 
different builds and all that kind of stuff with fifth edition, but it's certainly not the focus. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for the, uh, the backstory to that a little bit. Um, well, that pretty much does it for us here at the Randoish podcast, folks. Uh, thank you for listening and Nick, thank you again for all of the, um, very, um, of the abundance of the information that you shared with us regarding D and D. I think it was certainly something to be learned. A lot of, there was a lot to learn there, a lot to take in. I certainly piqued my interest. So thank you. Um, for those of you who've listened, please, um, thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. We realize you could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us and we appreciate that. Um, Please go visit us at the Randoish Podcast. Or excuse me, at Randoish Podcast on Instagram and at Twitter. Um, and uh, Nick, anything else you wanted to add, sir? Uh, well, one, thank you for having me on your lovely show. I hope it uh, <laughs> does something. I hope it's successful right. in some way. Uh, I would be happy to return anytime you'll have me. Okay. And uh, for everyone else out there, uh, be sure to tell your mom I said hello. And stay random, my friends. 